Hello and welcome to the Adaptive Zone podcast, talking all things running and triathlon from injury through rehabilitation and into performance. Tonight's question um, is coming from Christine, who is uh, wondering about um, adding cross training to a running schedule. Um, so we're going to get to that, but more importantly, today's beer is a day glow for it's a dry hopped India pills from Belly Hop Brewery. I stopped in there on the way home and, um, I prefer that grasshopper. That's the one I wanted, but they didn't have it. So this is what we get tonight. All right. Cheers. Cross training. I mean, it's, it means different things to different people, right? So it depends what we're talking about here. I often talk about cross training in the context of injury because I work with injured runners, right? So that's who I see. And that's why we're talking about it because they can't train. They can't run. So it's like cross training is a way to continue to gain fitness or at least lose less fitness while you're injured in order to um, essentially just keep you going and heading towards your goal, which is usually a race. But there's other forms of cross-training. There's the same sort of cardio-based, you know, exercises like the elliptical or biking, that kind of stuff where you're not... um, You, it's essentially just it's like running but not running right so you're still trying to just get fitter but you're doing like cardio stuff so elliptical rowing biking swimming that kind of stuff um but it's, it's not really significantly different in the in the objective the objective is to get fitter and um, then other types there's like strength training right which is very different right you can't strength train yourself in order to do you can't just do strength training if you want to do a marathon right you have to run as well so it's like it doesn't sort of feed directly into it and then um there's other things like stretching yoga uh, flexibility pilates things like that so um the the number one i mean we'll talk about all of them the number one rule when it comes to cross training is in my opinion, that it shouldn't impact your running training. So if you have a particular goal in mind, like doing a half marathon in 12 weeks and you have your training program that says you're going to do, let's say, four to five runs per week, and one of them is going to be like an intense hill training session maybe, and one of them is going to be like a long run, that's a fairly typical plan, then to go away and do a cross-training session on the Tuesday which might be, a, let's say, an hour on the elliptical. And then in the hill session on the Wednesday where you're supposed to go as hard as you can, you can't go as hard as you would have because you're tired from your Tuesday cross-training session. That would defeat the purpose of the cross-training. It's not complementing the training anymore. It is detracting from those really key workouts. So rule number one for cross-training for me is... It is not to interfere with running workouts. Whether the running workout is a very easy zone one recovery run or a very hard zone five sprint interval session or a very long zone two run, you, 
if you are not able to perform that as well as you could have because you're tired or sore from a cross-training session, whatever that cross-training session may be, or even just like mentally fatigued because you've got too much stuff to do, um, then I'd say that's defeating uh, its own purpose. It's not helping you get fitter. It's actually getting in the way. So that's rule number one. And that, that sort of adds as a caveat to anything else I'll say that if it violates rule number one, then you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't include that. So I'll start with the, um, what is the, probably the most familiar area for me, which would be cardio type cross training when you're injured in order to substitute for the running that you can't do. So you go to physio, got knee pain, can't run for let's say three to four weeks because you're trying to rehabilitate that knee injury. But you've got your event in eight weeks and you want to continue getting fitter during that time. So what you're going to do is try and continue to gain the physiological adaptations that you get from cardio type exercise. So that increases in mitochondrial density, increases in capillary network density, increases in muscle and um, muscle size and strength, um, improvements in like VO2 max and in um, cardiac output and left ventricular hypertrophy and all these like physiological changes that come from just being out of breath a lot, right? So when you're out of breath, that, that's what stimulates those adaptations. Um, so when we're talking cardio cross training, for the purposes of substituting when injured, we want to try, I sort of work of a zone substituting minute by minute kind of um philosophy so we take your training program let's say you were supposed to do let's say, say it's a tuesday right and you were supposed to do a 45 minute zone two run so and we're going to work from a like a five zone system so if anyone's not familiar with the training zones it's like zone one is like as easy as you could possibly get zone two is like i could do this for a couple of hours maybe if I'm fit enough, uh, zone three is like I can sustain this for maybe an hour, more like 20 minutes for most people. Zone four is like what you would do if you were doing like a track workout. And zone five is like sprinting, like a 100 meter sprint kind of thing. And you, you define zone five by like you can't sustain it any longer than, you know, 30 seconds or so. So it's, it's got to be very, very intense. And, you could also just kind of mix that into easy, moderate, and hard, right? So all of our training should be, you know, allocated to one of those zones. So if you're training for, again, if we go back to half marathon, then each workout should be geared towards one of those um, intensity um, sections. So if it's Tuesday and you've got a six, what did I say, 45 minute zone two run, but you can't because you've got knee pain. Then what you're going to do is a 45 minute zone two cross training session. So that might be 45 minutes and an intensity of two out of five on the bike or in the pool or on the rower. And in that way, you'll still benefit from those physiological changes, those physiological adaptations that come from um, cardiovascular work 
I think I was saying like a 45 minute zone two bike ride. Um, you're still going to get all those physiological adaptations. Um, but what you don't get is the, the, the physical stress on the knee, right? So that, that, um, mechanical stress that the knee would have to go undergo if you were running, you don't experience that. So, um, that, um, allows you to sort of continue training, but n- not annoy the knee. That, so that's the purpose of cross training when you're injured. Yeah. And I've got a blog that I've written about that. It sort of just goes through it in a little bit more detail. And what I'll do in the, um, in the description for this video, I'll, I'll put a link to that there. So if you do have an injury and you want to keep training, which you absolutely should, then read that. And it just talks about this principle and how to do it in a little bit more detail. But that's essentially it. You substitute your current training program of running for a, training program of biking or swimming or something that you can do that doesn't hurt but you match the minutes and you match the intensity all right okay first part done cross training when you're not injured is a little more more tricky for me it's not as an area i'm as um well versed in but i'll i'll just share my thoughts on it the first thing is that most runners, most people who get into running don't do a lot of cross training in my experience. You know, when I ask them what they're doing, they're usually just running or maybe a little bit of something else, but it's not really with the purpose of it being cross training. So they might play golf or tennis or something like that, but it's not because they want to improve their running training. It's because they enjoy it. So cross training for runners is quite uncommon, really. Um, and that was certainly true of me pre-2019. So in 2019, I got into triathlon and now I can kind of see the benefits of it and wish I'd been doing it all along. So um, it's definitely a good way to get those physiological adaptations without the stress that um, running puts your body under because running injuries are very problematic. Um, depending on which study you read, it's somewhere in the region of a 50% chance that you'll get injured in any given season. Now, that's not a definite um, risk factor, but it, sorry, that's de- that's not a definite um, value for your risk of getting injured, but it is one that comes up often. But there's quite a widespread in the, uh, in the research that I've read about it. What you can say, though, is that if you go to your local running club and there's 10 people there, you know, a few of them will have had an injury in the last year. They are very, very common and they often make us miss big chunks of training and often races too. So if we can do stuff in our regular training when we're not injured that helps us not get injured, um, then that's a good thing to do. And cross training would be something that we could do, provided it still obeys rule number one where we're not... Um, not um, impacting the running workouts. The running workouts must... Um, remain the sort of key to your preparation. You can't run a half marathon if you've never run one before without running. You've got to run and you've got to run a lot. Um, so you'll get your training program and you want to stick to that. As long as you're not getting pain and as long as you're not too tired. Um, if you are getting those things, then you might want to consider substituting in a bit of the cross training early before an injury becomes a problem. And if you're not too tired from your current training program, then some additional cross training, cardio cross training, I think would be really good because again, you still get those physiological changes that I talked about earlier. 
But again, you don't increase your injury risk by increasing your volume too much, right? So this is especially um, important for people who are new to running because most running injuries happen in the first couple of years. It seems to be like the longer you've been running, the less likely you are to get injured. And the shorter time you've been running, the more likely you are to get injured. So if, you, if you're going to have... Um, you know, let's let's say 20 running injuries during the course of a lifetime of running, they're going to be kind of packed into your first five or 10 years and you'll get much less in the last five or 10 years, right? So uh, if you're new to running, if you're in your first one, two, three, four years, um, thinking about injuries is, is a good idea and thinking how can I avoid them is a good idea and thinking cross-training might be a nice way to increase your fitness without increasing your risk of developing those injuries. So, um, I sort of, after getting into triathlon, started to see the benefits, of, particularly of the biking. Like the, the swimming definitely helps, but I can't do as much volume of swimming just because it's less convenient. But the biking, I do a lot of biking now and I can run just as well as I could two years ago. In fact, a bit better. And I don't do much running at the minute because I have to do a lot of biking because I've been um, training for triathlon races. So the fitness side of it stays stays high and, and goes higher when you're doing a lot of, um, let's say, biking. Um, and I've just had way less trouble with pain, right? Like pain in my legs and, and foot injuries and shin problems I've had in the past. Like just because I'm not doing that level, the biking just doesn't have as much impact. So it's just inherently less likely to get injured. Um, so I think it's, um, it's beneficial, particularly if you're new to running, to add some cross training that is low impact. So swimming, biking, rowing, um, elliptical, they're the kind of most common. And because they don't have much impact, and um, the chances are they're not going to drastically increase your injury risk, but they are going to add a lot of fitness. So it's just a, like a, a nice way to get a bit more fitness without um, having to run more. And because running more can be, um, especially in your first couple of years, can be a, a way to increase your injury risk. Okay. Um, something like biking, right, as a cross training. Um, exercise it's it's a pro and a con because it's very low limb dominant right so it's a lot of quads and glutes not much calf uh, which is unfortunate because calf is the main driver of propulsion when it comes to running but um quads and glutes they are um, hugely important for running obviously and when you're biking you're using them quite a bit so those physiological changes the muscular endurance improvements, they will carry over quite nicely into running, okay? That's a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing in that it will potentially make you um, make those muscles more capable of uh, producing a good run performance, but it's it's more likely to make you tired for your key running workout of the week the next day. So that is potentially... I mean, it's just something to think about, right? Like you don't want to go for a two-hour bike ride when you know you've got to do a three-hour run the next day because your muscles are going to be tired, right? It's kind of common sense. So it's good in that there's crossover with the, the muscle groups that you're using, the dominant muscle groups in, say, something like biking, 
or like a step machine or an elliptical as well because they're sort of lower limb dominant you're going to improve your muscular endurance but you've also got to be more careful with those and where they sit juxtaposed to your running workouts for that week upper limb dominant so there you swimming and then a full body thing like rowing you know you still get your physiological benefits but you spare the lower limb right you spare the muscles <laughs> my dog just lay down oh he's so cute um you spare the muscles of the legs because uh, they're not as uh, important for uh, propulsion in those activities so the less it's, it's much easier to think oh well i'll just stick in a butt of rowing you know the day before my long run you're much less likely to have problems with muscular fatigue in the legs after a, a bit of rowing like say a half hour session of rowing um than you are the from you know a half hour session of biking so you d- it allows you to you know if you if you're going less lower limb dominant cross training you can be a little bit more free and easy you'll still get those physiological fitness benefits don't have to worry so much about tiring out your muscles uh, but you won't get those muscular endurance benefits that you might be after. When it comes to lower limb dominant um, cross training like biking and um, an elliptical stair machine, that kind of stuff, you have to be much more careful with where they are positioned in the week relative to your key running workouts, but it's not as... Um, But, sorry, it's more likely to have beneficial muscular endurance carryover to the relevant muscle groups for your event. So it actually might be a, like a boost to your training in terms of um, the, the resultant performance. So um, a couple of examples of how you could throw in some cardio cross-training when you're not injured would be um, do like a, a, a zone one swim right so a really easy swim the day after a hill repeat session right so you knack it off your hill repeats you don't want to do any more running because your your legs are sore and you don't want to risk injury but you don't feel like totally like fatigued like you need a lot of sleep or like you have low energy so you're like well i might as well do a nice like recovery workout but i'll swim because i don't i want to rest my legs essentially and um, another thing you could do is like if you're doing a um, like a long zone two run so say you've got like an hour and a half run on a Sunday and you finish that or you know that that doesn't overtax you too much but you don't want to be too risky with your legs right so you don't want to risk doing too much running on your legs but you're like well I think I could get some more fitness benefit because I don't feel tired and you just tag on like a 30 or a 45 minute bike ride onto the end still in that low intensity zone two so it just essentially makes that workout longer. It goes from being an hour and a half to two hours and 15 of zone two exercise. But only an hour and a half of it was stressful on your legs in terms of the impact. The, the rest wasn't. So that's, there, there will be some ideas for how to throw, um, cross training into a regular, um, uninjured training, uh, week. I've learned that really from getting into triathlon. And I think now if I were to go back to just marathon running, I would include a lot more, particularly biking because it's convenient. And, but swimming too, in order to help me get just fitter without, because I've had such trouble with injuries in the past without risking my, um, increasing my injury risk too much. So 
different types of cross training, right? We've got cardio cross training when you're injured, cardio cross, tra- cross training when you're not injured. And um, then there's other things, flexibility, stretching, yoga, Pilates, strength training, um, CrossFit, uh, those, those kind of things. So where do they fit in and where, we, where might we think about including some of that stuff? I would say that the most important type of cross training that's not done by runners is strength training. And when I say strength training, I mean really heavy strength training. Four rep max, six rep max, eight rep max at the most. Um, this means if you're doing a strength training exercise, let's say a lunge, you can't do more than eight of them. If you can do... 20 body weight lunges, that's too light. You need to get all of some dumbbells. Um, you put 40 pound dumbbells in each hand and you can only do 10 of them. That's still not quite enough. You have to need, put 50 pound dumbbells in each hand, right? So we're talking heavy strength training. That is the most important type of cross training that I see that isn't done by runners. Um, and the evidence for its benefits is very strong particularly in other aspects or other sports like soccer and stuff like that, they've shown really massive reductions in injury risk. So we haven't seen that proven in running yet, uh, or maybe maybe not yet, maybe it won't happen, but it's enough evidence in my opinion to say strength training probably does, have, heavy strength training probably does have a protective effect on runners. Running injuries are incredibly common Strength training has other benefits in terms of health, um, uh, longevity, and um, bone density, cardiovascular health, you know, um, what do you call it? <laughs> like blood markers in terms of um, glucose, uh, diabetes risk, that kind of stuff. So there's so many benefits to strength training that it's across the board, I'm happy to recommend it. The only thing is to be mindful of where it goes juxtaposed with a running workout. And the running workout takes priority, right? So if it's like, well, I've got hills on a Wednesday and that's really hard. So I can't do strength on a Tuesday. Can't do heavy strength training. And when I say heavy strength training, particularly we're talking about the legs, the compound exercises, lunges, deadlift, calf raises, don't forget the calf, um, squats, that kind of stuff, like the basics. You're going to go heavy, but you can't do it on the Tuesday because if you do, you'll be sore in your muscles on the Wednesday and Wednesday is hill repeats and you've got to nail that one, right? So you're not allowed to do it on the Tuesday because it would have an effect on the Wednesday key running workout. Then it breaks rule number one of cross training, so you're not allowed to do it. So, um, what you could do, though, if you had no running workout on the Thursday or you just had a recovery run after your hills, then you could do your recovery run and then do the strength training. And the fact that the strength training wouldn't be perfect because you're, you know, you just done the Wednesday key workout on the hills and you've already done a recovery run and you're a little bit tired, that's okay because your goal is not to get super strong. Your goal is to avoid injury and to get fit enough in running to do your event. So, um, I would say you're always going to prioritize the running training, but we're going to try and include the strength training. And if I was going to say what's ideal, um, it's probably two to three strength sessions a week. What is realistic for me, that that's too much for me personally. But, you know, it's not for everybody. So a lot of people will do that amount of strength training quite happily. 
and that doesn't have a detrimental effect on their you know free time or their um their running training so what i do personally is i i do <laughs> zero to one strength training in the summer or the in season right and i do one to three strength training sessions a week in the winter and what i do in the winter is i set myself a goal of trying to get my deadlift or my squat to a certain weight and i go really hard for you know three to six months on the strength and then in the summer i just think you know what i'm strong enough now i want to enjoy my summer i'm gonna i'm gonna bike ride i'm gonna swim i'm gonna run i'm gonna go hiking because i'm not a pro i'm not gonna worry too much about the fact that i'm gonna lose some strength during the summer months that's me personally if you really have a um, a big problem with injury or if you really find that um that beating a PR, beating um, or achieving a new goal in a race is really important, then you might want to be more um, strict than that, more diligent with your strength training throughout the year. But I would still say that you want to sort of um, fluctuate, you know, when you have the sort of in-season, you want a bit less strength than when you have out-of-season, a bit more strength. So it might not fluctuate as, as severely as mine does, but I would still say a, a fluctuation there is beneficial because it's very hard to focus on getting very strong in the gym when you're focusing on trying to hit peak performance fitness leading up to a race. So that's how I'd uh, suggest introducing strength training. Um, and then uh, sort of bottom of the list for me would be things like uh, flexibility-based or balance control core strength based exercises and um that that sometimes sounds controversial i don't i don't think it's super controversial um they they don't have the same evidence that in support of their ability to improve performance in running or reduce injury risk across other sports i don't think they're superior to the forms of exercise i've already mentioned um, so that isn't to say that there's no benefit to including things like yoga, Pilates, stretching um, in your program. What it is to say is that the studies that have been done on things like stretching for reducing injury risk have just found that it just doesn't really. It, it doesn't have seem to have a huge detrimental effect, but it doesn't seem to have a particularly positive effect. And that's reasonable because, you know, we when you look at someone run, if you were to measure the joint angles in their hip, their spine, their knee, their ankle, their shoulder, they don't reach end of range or anywhere close to end of range. And, and stretching takes a joint to its end of range to stretch out the muscles and then tries to push it further to try and increase flexibility or try and increase range of movement. Well, if you're not accessing that end of range, then... It, it it stands to reason there's not going to be kind of crazy helpful to increase that end of range, right? So that's why, you know, it's a mixture of the, the lack of evidence and support of um, flexibility-based uh, or flexibility-focused um, cross-training. And that's not the only reason that, other that a lot of people go to Pilates and yoga, right? They don't just go there to get more flexible. What I'm saying is that a lot of runners talk to me about not being flexible enough, and that's what I'm getting at, that increasing your flexibility is often not the key to achieving whatever goal you've set 
which is usually a, either a longer race or a faster race. And I wouldn't say that uh, yoga, Pilates, stretching and things similar to that are the best way to achieve that goal. Um, but they may have other um, things that you're like super into that you makes you want to do them. Right? So it's just like not to say that they're bad, just that they don't serve the purpose that I just sort of outlined. Christine also asked how to prepare for half marathon how to get started uh, what are the key workouts and that kind of thing I'm, I'm either going to do that one next week or just do it at another time um it's yeah it's just a little uh, a little too much to get it all into one session so i'll just try and sum up what we've talked about so far and if you have any questions just stick them in the comments um cross training for runners there's kind of four different types okay um We've got cardio cross training when you're injured, cardio cross training when you're not injured, strength training, and flexibility based training. Rule number one, if you're going to include some cross training, is that it cannot negatively impact your running training because the running training is what gets you to your goal. And um, when you're injured, um, you could substitute based on you know, if you've got a 45-minute run scheduled on your training plan, it changes to a 45-minute bike and you just match the intensity. So you substitute minute by minute based on intensity zone. Um, when you're not injured, um, it's definitely good to include some non-impact cardio cross-training like running, swimming, elliptical, that kind of stuff. You've got to be mindful of where you put it in the week and you've got to be mindful of which muscle groups it's working you know, something upper body dominant like swimming versus something lower body dominant like biking. Strength training, in my opinion, is the most um, often neglected and super beneficial form of cross training for runners. Um, it should be included at least once a week in the off season, in the, in the season, sorry, and at least twice a week off season, and it should be very heavy general flexibility and other control-based, mobility-based work is the lowest priority cross-training that you can do as a runner. And if you're not doing the other things mentioned on the list, you probably shouldn't be doing that unless you want to do that for its own purposes. But don't do it thinking it's going to drastically improve your um, running performance or your risk of developing a running injury. Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like your questions featured on the show, just email me mboydphysio at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and if you have a moment to leave me a review in whatever podcast app you use, it's a huge help for the show. See you next week.